0: Good morning, Point Way family. It's good to be with you this morning on Palm Sunday. I want to just give you a couple of announcements, and, uh, and then we'll move into our prayer focus after that. Uh, in the way of announcements, we are obviously still not meeting. Uh, we're meeting at our homes. Uh, you can continue to give to Point Way Church, either through pointway.org, or you can mail in your checks, as uh, we are still checking the mail here and making deposits. We appreciate all you that have been giving, of our regular members. Um, Financers are doing fine. Things are going well, and we do appreciate that as part of your worship. I also wanted to mention that we met with the missions committee this week and checked in with a lot of our missionaries. They're doing fine. Um, like us, they are doing ministry differently, but they are doing well. At this point, we are still planning on going on our missions trip down to the Twin Cities uh, within Vision in August. So if you are interested in that, please contact someone from the missions committee either Brent, Jeb, or Heidi, Don, or PJ, and uh, just let them know you're interested um, as there's some training that's involved and as that keeps moving forward. And yes, our missions committee is continuing to work and to, to reach out. We're also planning for our missions conference in October. So I think that's it for the, in a way of announcements. Obviously, you can always send us a message uh, if you have any questions to any of the elders or myself, and we'll try to get you some answers for that. As we kind of shift gears this morning and work towards our our prayer focus, I want to give you a few verses to to kind of hone in, to kind of bring us together. Uh, It's found in Colossians chapter 3, and it's the first four verses. And they read, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Again, I just want to take some time this morning to to focus um, and just kind of break away from our normal routines and that we be praying for those things that are above, praying for people to come to salvation, praying for folks that are struggling in their faith. And so I'm sure that God's brought someone to mind. And um, as, as we just take that moment this morning, right where you're at, we'll just take a little bit of time. And then when I think we're done, I'll close us. Heavenly Father, as we do look beyond our current circumstances and that we look to you and we look beyond that. And Lord, we thank you for our salvation as believers in you. We thank you for the opportunity that we have in Christ to be with you. And we do look forward to that day of being with you in heaven. Lord, we also know that there are many around us who do not know you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, even in these times, this may be the time that we need to reach out and share the good news with them. Lord, spur us on to do that. Uh, bring those folks to mind. Lord, help us to, to be all, always be mindful of the spiritual things that are around us and to be thankful for them. And Lord, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for this time. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today is Palm Sunday and I'm going to be doing something a little bit different this morning. I'm going to be taking um, the passages from each section of the Gospels. Uh, Interestingly enough, Jesus entering Jerusalem is in all four Gospels. It's found in uh, Matthew 21, Mark 11, Luke 19, and John 12. And so what I want to do is take bits and pieces of all of them and kind of bring it together because they each have a little bit of different perspective and I would encourage you to study it throughout the week. Uh, it's not a lot of verses, but when you look at it, you kind of get that full picture and you kind of get the idea of what takes place. It's one of the, the challenges of, of even being a pastor is to try to take us from our mindset here and go back in time and go back to uh, the time of when Jesus was there and to put ourselves into that situation. One of the other things that I want to try to do this morning, uh, the title of this message is, What Were They Thinking? Now, I've been married long enough to know that that is dangerous grounds, right? Anytime I try to figure out what my wife is thinking, um, I have problems. It doesn't always, doesn't always work out well for me. Um, I quite often don't know exactly what she's thinking. But I think there's enough here in the text, and again, we're not going to get the full picture, but we'll, we get some glimpses, we get some ideas, uh, we get some insight into each person or the crowds, or the things that are taking place, and we get some insight on what they were thinking. And so that's the challenge this morning. That's where we're going to try to work through as we look through these passages. I'm going to start off in Luke chapter 19, uh, verses 28 through 44. And in case you haven't realized as well that I've been studying Luke, we've been leading up to this and, and working through uh, Luke um, over the last couple of weeks in preparation for not only Palm Sunday, but next week, Easter Sunday. And again, we've been focusing on Luke's teaching uh, and some of the miracles and Jesus' teaching through his parables. And so it makes sense in a way to keep it all cohesive that we um, continue to use that, and we're going to use that here this morning. So let's get into Luke chapter 19. And again, Jesus has been teaching his disciples. He's been leading up to this point, and this time on this earth is drawing to an near. So it says, Jesus, after he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem, as he approached Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, tell him, the Lord needs it. Those who he s- were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. I'm going to stop right there for a moment because, again, it's, it's interesting, uh, the request, right? So you've got to imagine, Jesus is with his disciples. He's been walking along. He's been teaching. And all he says, Hey, go on ahead. And get me a colt, right? And again, this colt is a a donkey, a young donkey that's never been ridden, all right? So the first thing is, can you imagine what these disciples are thinking? All right, Jesus, we've been walking for a long time. We've done this right along without a donkey. We've been walking by foot everywhere we've gone. Been traveling for the last three years, and we've never ridden on a, a donkey. Now why, all of a sudden, when you're this close to Jerusalem, why would you want a donkey? I mean, I can only imagine the thoughts going through their heads. And then Jesus even gives them the answer because they're thinking the same thing. Like, well, wait a minute. If I go and take a donkey from somebody, um, they're going to ask, why? Right? And I love the reply because the Lord needs it. Very simple, very straightforward. Just that's the response the Lord needs it. So, so again, this is probably all running through these disciples' heads. Like, why in the world is he doing this? Right? So he, his disciples obey. They do what Jesus says. They go, and sure enough, they untie it. And the owners come out and said, hey, what are you doing, right? And, and Jesus gave them the response, and the disciples did that. They said, the Lord needs it. Again, I can't imagine their response. Again, that would be like today, me walking up to you and, and starting to pull your car out of your garage, and, and you asking, you know, what are you doing? And if I said the Lord needs it, um, unless we were really good friends, uh, you probably would call the police on me, and you'd wonder, what in the world are you doing? And you probably would even question my response, right? If I say, hey, the Lord needs it. Um, again, the, a donkey at that point in time uh, was very valuable. Um, it was, like I said, equivalent to their car. It was their means of transportation. Interestingly enough, it, it emphasizes the point, too, that it's a colt, Right? Again, we, we know actually from Matthew's account that there's the mother and the colt. In fact, they take both of them. But Jesus is really looking for the colt itself, which that doesn't make sense either because it hasn't been ridden. It's younger. Um, I don't know much about donkeys. not something that I've spent a lot of time with. But from what I do know, uh, they're very stubborn. Uh, they have a mind of their own. And again, all I can picture is like a horse that's never been ridden, right? It's like a buck in bronco, right? You think of the cowboys trying to ride them to break them and to get them to ride. Well, this would never have been ridden. The mother may have, but not the colt. But yet, this is what Jesus requests. Now, let me give you a little bit of insight. There is a reason why Jesus is looking for this colt. And kind of the key is back in the Old Testament, back in Zechariah 9 verses 9 and 10. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion, shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Right? So it's a baby donkey or a young donkey. And again, it's it's it was prophesied way back in the old testament. And again, it's interesting that. Jesus is fulfilling that prophecy. And again, the disciples, I'm sure, didn't think that. They weren't realizing that that's what he was doing. Um, the Pharisees, they didn't see that coming, even though they knew Scripture and they may have known that passage, but they wouldn't have known that either. So it's interesting. That, that kind of gives us a little insight to, to what's going on. Um, and again, what are they thinking? verse 35, we pick up the story again. The disciples brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And again, we've got to kind of put ourselves back in that time period. A cloak was a valuable piece of your garment. It was your outer covering. It's what kept you warm. It's what you carried stuff in, kept you protected. Um, you held on to it. It had, had value to it. And again, they're, they're putting on this young colt. Now, I can't even begin to imagine what the donkey's thinking, right? All right, they're putting something for the first time over him, and it's got a little bit of weight to it. And then Jesus himself is getting up on to this colt. Notice what it doesn't say here. It doesn't say that the donkey bucked him. doesn't say that he resisted just subdues, right? And Jesus is able to to go along. We also kind of read into it here, we see the people are doing the same thing. And again, trying to put ourselves into that mindset, what are they thinking, right? The disciples are putting, their valuable, they're, they're trying to protect Jesus. They're giving him a cushion. Now the people in front that are putting their clothes down in front of them is a sign of respect and honor. It's kind of an interesting fact that they're, they're, they're laying it out. They're, they're paving the road for Jesus to go in to the city. I also had kind of a funny thought. You know, you, you're taking that off and you put it on. You, you get a donkey walking over something that you value most. And uh, I can only imagine saying, man, I hope that donkey doesn't stop right on my coat and do something. Right, Just a little bit of humor in that. But again, it's a sign of respect. Uh, it's a sign of honor, and the people are doing that. And again, we also know from some of the others, from actually John, Mark, and Matthew, all mention the fact that they cut branches, and they laid that down as well. Again, a sign of respect, but also to cushion the walk even. And again, that visual theme, and people are, are singing, and they're, they're praising, right? can only imagine what they're thinking. But again, Jesus is riding on a donkey. He's not coming in on a white stallion. He's not coming in with a full force of army. What are they thinking? Let's go back to the story a little bit more. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the mouths, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. Right? That's part of a psalm. And again, they're singing. As it's getting closer, it's it's like it's heightening. It's getting more excited. People are are cheering louder. Again, we have a little bit of insight here. Uh, Some of the praise is coming from those who had seen the miracles. So they're thinking, hey, this, this guy, this Jesus is a miracle worker. You know, he, he heals. He has power. Some would have been thinking, he's a great teacher. Certainly he was. Again, these are all part of, of who Jesus is. But interesting, interesting to me anyways is, as this is getting louder and, and, and they're, they're heading down into Jerusalem, which the, the road is getting probably more crowded as they're getting closer and closer, um, donkeys, how are they going to react to that, right? I know in parades, horses have a hard time sometimes with loud noises, with crowds, they have to be trained over and over again, and um, may have to check with someone in our, you know. in fact, we have someone that does horses and parades, you might want to check with Scarlett on that, she she knows what that's like to to be in a parade with a horse, and again, the distractions are hard, and sometimes they have to to blind them a little bit from the side, not to, to focus on that. But yet we have no mention here of the the donkey at all uh, bucking up or knocking Jesus off. He's just going along with it. And Jesus is just walking slowly, uh, riding on this donkey going in. So we have some of that. We have the praises of the people. And the people are are praising Jesus for what he's done. And sometimes we, we can fall into that trap. We only praise Jesus when... He does something for us. He answers our prayer. I mentioned a little bit yesterday about praising God from the mountaintops. And certainly we need to do that. We need to be thankful for all God does on those good points and those high peaks in our life. But what about the valleys? What about the times when we're struggling? What about the times when things are not going the way we thought? Are we still praising God? Again, another challenge here in these verses. To remember that, to continually praise God. Again, peace and heaven and glory to the highest, says at the end of that psalm. Now, there were some other folks that were around as well, and guess what? They're not so happy. It says some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones will cry out. See, the Pharisees are not happy. Uh, In fact, they are, they're frustrated at this point. They've been trying to discredit Jesus. Um, they're not happy. And now they're seeing these crowds coming out and praising Jesus. We know in one of the other passages, in fact, they say the Messiah is here. They're, they're praising God that the Messiah has come. Again, this would be blasphemous. This would be, Jesus, um, this would be against the law. The only problem is it's true. Jesus is the Messiah. But the Pharisees don't see that. They're not thinking that. And so they're trying to get Jesus to make them stop. And Jesus says, I tell you, even if I did, and tell them to keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Again, that's an interesting phrase. And again, it's important for us to realize that even the stones cry out, we sometimes lose sight of it, but Jesus has Dominion over creation. Creation itself speaks to God, right? Even theologically speaking, Jesus was a, he is the creator. That's the only way creation obeys anyone is through the creator. Think about it. This is not new, all right? Jesus calmed the storm, walked on water, fed the 5,000. He does these miracles. He has the power over creation. And even here, he says, if I could keep the men quiet, creation itself speaks to his name. We know that. As other scriptures mention that as well. That even through creation, the gospel is preached, the glory of God. And so it's, it's some insight here into these, these verses. And again, if you're just reading through quickly, you would miss that. Even creation speaks to who Jesus is. Verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city... He wept over it and said, If you even knew on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. Now we get a little insight into Jesus here. Again, he's looking at people cheering. They're, they're being respectful, right? The, the crowd, at least, and the crowd is, is a small representation of all of Jerusalem. They're praising who he is but he's weeping because he knows what lies ahead. Right? This is the high point, if you want, of Jesus' ministry on earth in many regards. This is the moment. If he had time, It's a very important moment in time. Things could have turned out much differently if he had been truly received as a Messiah. But no, they don't. And Jesus wept. And we see that compassion that Jesus has for the people, the love that he has. It says it's hidden from their eyes. They just don't see it. You know, I think of the same thing sometimes when I'm sharing with someone who's not a believer. You know, and I get excited about what Jesus has done in my life and my salvation. And when I'm trying to explain it to someone else, they just don't understand. They don't get it. They don't see Jesus as I see him. And so it's hidden from their eyes. And sometimes that makes me sad. It's sad that they they don't get it. They're not there yet. Also, she's put me on to, to continue to pray for them, continue to do that work of sharing. Again, that's my responsibility. But it's sad. It's sad when people don't see who Jesus really is. So we get some insight into what Jesus is thinking. And again, Jesus also knows, because he's also a prophet, he knows what's yet to come. And we see that in the next couple of verses. Again, he's weeping for the moment. I think he's also weeping for what's yet to come because he says it would have brought you peace. The next verse, 43 says, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Again, yeah, this is prophecy. This is yet to happen. In fact, this event doesn't happen until about 70 years later. And again, um, at that point, um, Jerusalem is encircled by the Romans. In fact, they, they start to starve them out. They, they encircle it, they they hold them, and again, they end up tearing down all of Jerusalem. And this that's what he talked about. There's not one stone. It's a, it's a terrible time of persecution to the Jews at the hands of the Romans. And so Jesus sees that coming and kind of, just kind of wondering, you know, knowing all that, he's like you could have had peace. You, you, you wouldn't have had to go through this. Again, we don't know all the details, what would happen if they really would have truly accepted, you know, would the Roman government had turned to Jesus, you know, Obviously, the the temple and sacrificing uh, would cease. How things would have turned out differently. Would have looked much different. But again, Jesus is a prophet. He knows what lies ahead, and he speaks to that. I want to flip over to John a little bit and just kind of go back through this story again, because John gives us even a little bit more insight. Um, And again, we, we also want to look at you know What are the disciples thinking at this point? And so if you're following along, John chapter 12, um, it's kind of the, the same thing. And John actually puts in a little bit more of the, the praise part. of it. And I'm going to pick up the story again where they're praising as Jesus is going in. And, and again, you, this may sound familiar to you, but Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And so... Again, Jesus is walking in, he's being praised, he's being praised as the king. Again, some of their mindset, especially with the disciples, were that Jesus is coming in to conquer the Romans. That's that coming king. Now, certainly, he's not coming in like a, a normal king that's going to take over. He's coming in as, as a lowly king. Again, he's the Messiah. Again, he's thinking it's the king of kings, the spiritual realm, not the physical well, I'm sure that's what the disciples were thinking. Another interesting group that would have been around it as well is the Roman soldiers. And certainly they, they would have looked at Jesus coming in on a, a donkey and uh, with a ragtag group of men following him and uh, the people praising, uh, especially these Jews who they didn't really totally understand, would have been thinking, what are these people doing? How foolish is this? What kind of king is this? Right? Where's his army? Right? Again, trying to to get that full picture. All these players are in this this arena. They're all there as Jesus is walking in. Verse 16, again, gives us some insight into what the disciples are thinking in John. It says, at first his disciples did not understand all this. Again, they're confused. They don't know. It's not unfolding the way they thought it was going to happen. Because honestly, only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Again, this happened um, and they were a part of it, but they didn't truly understand what was going on. But when they looked back, they said, Oh, I get it now. This was part of prophecy. This is part of what Jesus meant. This is part of what he kept saying he was going to do. And again, he fulfilled prophecy. It's proof, in many ways, that Jesus was the Messiah. We also have a little, and John gives us a little more insight into the crowd, and again, I've mentioned a little bit of this, but some of the crowd that was with him um, when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead. Again, that, they had a following. There's people that were flocking to, to hear of the miracle. Many of the people in the crowd had heard that he had done many miraculous signs. And so they went out to meet him. They went out to check out this Jesus. John also mentions the Pharisees here as well. They said, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Right? They're starting to realize that they've lost control of the people. Jesus has a following at this point. Again, this next upcoming week, we're going to be looking at, obviously, leading up to the cross. And again, they turn up their persecution. They, they get Judas to betray Jesus. Interestingly enough, Judas was with this crowd. In fact, Judas may have been one of the ones that put his cloak on the donkey. Very well could have been the one that, was, that went and got the colt for Jesus. Could have all been part of that as well. Again, he was there, and at that point, he was still following Jesus. But he's going to turn. So there's a lot in Palm Sunday, I am. So there's a lot in this. There's a lot in Palm Sunday. There's a lot to just this little, short period of time of Jesus entering Jerusalem. In many ways, this was the final opportunity at that point in time for them to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. For the Pharisees and the priests to realize that, hey, this is the Messiah. This is our Messiah we've been waiting for. This is what we've been studying for. This is what it says in the law. He's our guy. He's going to save us. He brings about the new kingdom. But sadly, for their part, they didn't recognize who Jesus was. Again, many of the people recognized Jesus, but they recognized him as a miracle worker, healer. And he certainly is, and he, can, and he still does that today. He still does miracles, he does heal. Again, many folks today reach out to Jesus for healing, and that's perp- perfectly right, because Jesus is healer. Jesus also presented himself um, humbly. He didn't force himself. Same way today. We have that same opportunity. He doesn't force us to believe in him. Gives us all the evidence. We are his evidence, his people, his testimony. But it's up to us to accept him. Again, Jesus was proof in the way that he acted, the way that he did things. I was also thinking that Jesus is many things. And I appreciate this about the alliance, how, again, trying to describe Jesus as a, as, as a study in and of itself. But Jesus is our Savior, and he does that. Again, he does that work on the cross. He's also our healer. He's also our sanctifier. He's also our coming king. Again, Jesus he was there at that moment, and they missed it. But we as believers have that opportunity to see that again. Jesus is coming back. He is our coming. And so a couple of questions for you. Again, looking back through uh, this passage and again, some questions to think about this week, to marinate on, to, to work through as you're studying the four different versions. We didn't talk about much about Mark or Matthew. And again, there's some, some differences there. We did reference them, but certainly Luke and John this morning. But as we looked at what other people were thinking of the time, question for us. What are you thinking when you think of Jesus? What do you think when you think of Jesus? Sometimes we put Jesus in a box, we kind of keep it pretty narrow. But maybe God's challenging us to open that up a little bit. You know, as you talk to those in the world, unbelievers, they have their thoughts. On Jesus. And it's not a bad way to start off a conversation. So, what do you think about Jesus? If you're talking to a Muslim, they most likely will say, well, Jesus was a prophet. He was a good teacher. They believe that. But unfortunately, it stops there. They don't see him as the Messiah, the, the, the coming King. Other religions recognize him, uh, even the Jewish faith recognizes Jesus, they just don't recognize him as the Messiah. In fact, they'll even go so far as to, to kind of deny the scriptures in Isaiah 53. And if you haven't read Isaiah 53, um, I would encourage you to do that this week. It's a great passage leading up to Good Friday and the, the crucifixion. And then, not only what are you thinking and, and what others are thinking, what about your response to Jesus? You know, we talked about praise, right? We talked about praising him on the mountaintops, question whether do we praise him when we're in the low spots in those valleys are we thankful are we thankful for who Jesus is or are we only thankful when he gives us what we want right and we should thank him for those things but again do we thank him for the tough things the tough things that we go through the challenges the time that we're in so what's your response Is he your Lord of Lord? Is he your Savior? Is he the King of your life? Is there some area that maybe you haven't surrendered yet? What's your thoughts there? What's your response? And then, lastly, I want to just look at, you know, those men gave up their willing lives to follow Jesus, and they certainly counted the cost, but they didn't fully understand, but they are willing to give up a lot. The owners are willing to give up their, their donkey, the colt, for Jesus to ride on. And I find sometimes in my own life that Jesus requires something from me. He's asking me for something. He's asking me to maybe to give up something. He's asking me to, to do something that's out of my comfort zone, something that logically or physically I don't want to do. But he's asking me to do it. And so this morning, maybe God's asking you for something. We know another scripture it talks about that God's purpose for each one of us to do good works that He's intended for you. So what He may be asking me to do certainly won't be the same thing that He's asking you to do. We all have different gifts, we all have different things, we all have things that we need to do for the Lord. Things that we may need to, like I said, either give up or to go beyond our comfort zone, and doom. And again, we also mentioned, it may be going to that person or messaging that person and asking them that hard question. What do you think about Jesus? And then off that response, check this, it's done for you. So some things to think about this week, some things to put into practice, some things to work on. Hope this has been encouraging to you. We love you and we miss you and uh, we look forward to we meet again. Let me just close in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we've tackled a lot of different scriptures, Lord, of that one event, and we celebrate this morning, Palm Sunday, the opportunity that was given to the people then and the opportunity that we have now to accept you as our Lord and Savior. Lord, help us as we remember the sacrifice you made for us on our behalf, that we would be quick to share it with those who do not know you. Lord, maybe you've placed it on our hearts, someone that we need to reach out to, send a message to, to call. Lord, help us to be obedient. Help us to be faithful in those things. Lord, may we always praise you For not only the good things, but for the bad things or the things that we struggle. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.